Raymond, normally we open with a cold open for for the audio and video of the Goldcast. What do you want to do for the cold open today? Ain't no cold open happening today. Just a bunch of cold ass players that don't want to win, playing like some like a cold ass team. That's the only, that's the only thing I can think of that that I, that I don't want. I don't want to do it. All right. Well, there you go. There's our <laughs> opening for the day. Uh, um, Raymond, why don't you let them know before we get started, where can they find us? You can always follow us on Instagram at the Goldcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube slash the Goldcast, and you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that podcasts are syndicated, you can find the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, comment, hit the little notification bell if you're on YouTube. Join the discussion in the comment section. And remember, that feeds the algorithm, so you're doing us a huge favor by participating. Just say anything. Say hi. Say cold, ass, open. Say anything you want. Say uh, Dances with Wolves cast, whatever you would like. Uh, We just want to hear from you. There we go. All right. Uh, A tough, tough game. Uh, frustrating game. Probably one of the flattest performances I've seen from the Niners in a couple years, and uh, we're going to talk about it. And then, of course, as many of you have already reached out to me, and I did see myself, we are going to end with a quick shout-out to my old professional b-boy career making it into the Olympics. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. We're going to do. We're gonna touch on that a little bit at the end. Uh, but first, the greatest podcast intro is about to begin. Your professor of fanalism. I'm in the building. You're the greatest fanalist in the game. He is here too. Class is in session. I guess we're gonna go. San Francisco, are you ready? ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Boys of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! Man, Raymond, I give us this boom, but today doesn't feel like a boom no. kind of day. In fact, I just gave three booms no, on the, a day the, that... The other team had the booms tonight. I, I don't like to bash the 49ers. You know, we don't like to pull cones on this gold cast that's not our style here we are we're not bombastic we're not bait clicky that's not our thing but i have to admit man this really did seem like one of the flattest performances from the 49ers especially in the first half it was just so flat here we are season on the line playoff lives on the line washington defeats pittsburgh we have to play an alex smith led washington team Next week, they are also fighting for their playoff lives. We win this week. We go there. That maybe is a loser leaves town match. You know, that's like for 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 the for for that's like for to get a, a, a contender spot to go for the title. I mean, this match is huge for us. The Bills don't even need this game. They don't even need this game. And so I expected the Niners to become out guns blazing. Instead of that, we came out guns hazing. I mean, I thought they were I thought they were decent in the first few drives, albeit, you know, kind of blowing it at the goal line. But then we got it right back with the with the fumble, which just 
which was just Devils, Devin Singletary's fault. It wasn't anything that the defense did outside of just Fred Warner being at the right spot in the right time to snatch it up. But I thought that just defensively, you really saw, you know, what the lack of pass rush does to this defense when you have a quarterback like a Josh Allen, who in the preview episode, we talked about him being kind of really the big X factor for this team because I didn't, I thought that we had favorable matchups, but there was a last minute scratch from Emmanuel Mosley. So he didn't play because of a hamstring injury. And then we had a brand new guy, a 2019 six round pick, Dante Johnson, not to be mistaken for the Dante Johnson that was selected by Trent Balky years ago. Uh, a different Dante Johnson, who's even worse than that Dante Johnson. And they just chewed him up from the very beginning. Cole Beasley just ate him alive. And didn't matter who Stephon Diggs was covering, whether it was Jason Verrett or um, or Richard Sherman, he also carved them up too on the ground. And just and with all the time in the world uh, that Josh Allen had, whether and even when he had to get outside the pocket, made some terrific throws on the run outside the pocket kept plays alive whenever the pass rush was able to break uh, the protection. But to me, I felt like uh, the lack of pass rush just really, because when you, when you rush Josh Allen, he makes a lot of mistakes. I mean, th- th- most quarterbacks make mistakes, but Josh Allen in particular, he also can, can, he gets flustered really easily. He rushes the football. He look, he's like, he plays like Nick Mullins when he gets pass rushed and, <laughs> And uh, and he just didn't do that. He had all the time in the world today, and that made all the world of a difference. The our our defensive line's inability to really put pressure, and then of course when we did break free, Josh Allen did a wonderful job of eluding us. It was very kind of Russell Wilson esque out there. That caused problems. We really struggled to get the run game going. That didn't do us any favors. And then costly turnovers, costly costly turnovers, two interceptions from Nick Mullins again. I mean, this is, uh, you know, Nick Mullins says he believes he can be a starter in this league. Uh, I'm not, I'm not here to bash our quarterback and I would never say, you're not, you're not, that's, I don't, I'm not trying to do all that, but um, I, I, here's the thing. I want to believe you, Nick Mullins. I want to believe him, but it's just really tough because, you know, I think to really be a successful quarterback in the NFC, in the NFL, and in particular in the NFC West, you really need to be able to put the team on your back at certain times, and and uh, because it's so competitive in this division, and and a team like the Buffalo Bills, who's rolling all year, I mean they come in fully expecting to win this game. You know, I I didn't like that we were the two and a half uh, point underdogs going into this game and then by the end of the week Vegas has us as one point favorites we don't really play that well I know that has really it's neither here nor there I'm just talking about the basic the basic journey to this game but um it I just it was frustrating and it just I just there's a much better version of this team that exists on paper right here that was on that field and we just didn't see them maximize that potential no unfortunately not and I felt like you know <laughs> DJ Jones hurt his ankle, left the game. Guy can't stay healthy. As much as I like him, he just can't stay healthy. So I'm sorry. You just if you can't stay healthy, he, why even have this guy? You know, like he's a rotation player at best, and even then he's susceptible to get injured because he's so goddamn fragile. So frustrating, just very frustrating. Javon Kinlaw, rookie, still learning. You know, 
I don't expect much out of him. I really don't. The pick six, you know, I, I, it was a fluke in my opinion. So I just think that even though I, I, there is promise for him to progress, especially once he gets, you know, high caliber supporting players around him, like a Nick Bosa. But, you know, outside of that, I, you know, I, I feel like nobody else can really step up outside of Kerry Hyder. You know, Kerry, when Kerry Hyder gets a Nick Bosa, wow, watch out. That's going to be a crazy duo. And we know that Eric Arnstead cannot carry by himself. He's not a DeForest Buckner type of player. So he will obviously play better once Nick Bosa gets back. Nick Bosa is going to be the key to all of this going forward, uh, especially next year, because we're, we're not going to have him this season. So he's really going to be, you know, you see what the lack of pass rush is. And that's just that's just why the Bills were so successful, because, you know, the corners, you know, you have two, three seconds to to maintain that coverage before it gets really, really difficult for everybody, let alone a six-round pick who's having his first NFL start going up against the likes of Cole Beasley, one of the fastest slot receivers in all of football, Stephon Diggs, one of the best deep threats, and also just a terrific route runner. I mean, he just made some great moves tonight. And even the kid Gabriel, the rookie, he had a couple of moments too. I believe he caught the touchdown on the busted coverage play uh, that Richard Sherman, who Richard Sherman's playing zone because he just doesn't have a whole lot of cutting and lateral movement in that because of that calf injury he dealt with, which is stemming from the Achilles tear that he dealt with. To me, Richard Sherman, if he wants any semblance of viability in a secondary, A, he needs a competent pass rush to help complement him and offset what he's lacking now in age and durability, or I should say athleticism. And B, he needs to move to free safety. Those are the two things that I need that needs to happen for him. Um, Jason Verrett just got outmatched tonight. Simple as that. Uh, Jimmy Ward, I thought, played well for the most part. You know, just got beat on some plays, but didn't necessarily have the worst game out of the secondary. He, had, he actually played the best. The, uh, I thought he played the, the best out of everyone in the secondary. And Kurt, or Kurt Warner, Fred Warner can only do so much. And then that was it. But, I mean... The running game looked inept because the offensive line is inept. They don't have a George Kittle blocking out there along with Kyle Juszczyk. So they're limited in their potency to run effectively. Didn't see a whole lot of, I don't know, I just thought the play calling was a little flat. I thought it looked it looked kind of predictable to me, which is not what, I, what we normally get out of Kyle Shanahan. But again, I'm not, you know, I don't know these X's and O's as well as some other people. So perhaps I'm missing something in my perception of what I saw tonight. But overall, this was just, uh, yeah, I thought the defense came out and played well in the beginning. And it was really the second quarter where Buffalo, you know, put this game away. And then everything else was just icing on top, you know, because we matched them point for point in the second half. And in the first quarter, we scored first. But in the second quarter, Buffalo put up 17 unanswered points to go to the halftime. And that's, that was all they needed. That was all they needed. Mm-hmm. That was it. I thought we played fairly well uh, in the third quarter. I agree. You know, and you said, like you said, point for point, we dropped 10, they dropped 10, they, we dropped seven, or they dropped seven, we dropped seven. What really hurt us was our inability to get that second to last touchdown. We were so close. We were right there. Who was the, who had the ball on that, on that play where his knee was down? They, had, they overturned the call. That, that was, was Kendrick uh, Bourne. Yeah, it was Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne's right there. That really was the play because we were running out of so much time and we weren't playing fast enough and efficient enough to really get it going. And when we 
when he when that when when they overturned the touchdown and then we don't produce any points out of it and then we got to give the ball back to Buffalo. I mean, it was we were already at like the six minute mark at that point. It's like there's just not enough time. You know, you're only you're only going to get me one or two one or two more possessions past it if you're lucky. If you know if you can stop them, and we really ran out of time. And like you said, that second quarter really uh, did us in. Um, I'm very disappointed. Let me ask you a question, Raymond. Uh, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, who gets your cold shower? Oh, for today. Jeez. Remember the, Remember this. Remember wow, this. Wow. This was our, our segment this. from last last season. Who gets our game balls? Who gets our cold showers? Today or today they've earned some cold showers. I hate to admit it. Who gets your cold shower? Cold shower, without a doubt, is Nick Mullins. I'm gonna give Nick Mullins a cold shower for sure. Um, made some all right play move. Had some okay movement in the pocket at times. Was able to avoid pocket collapse and pressure, which I thought was nice. But you know, just again, inaccurate with the football. Um, just no timing, no rhythm, and I don't get it because, you know, before when he was a starter, this seemed to not be a problem for him, but for some reason it is this year. So I know he says he thinks he's good enough to be a starter, but in my opinion, still got a lot to prove, man. Can't just do it that one season when you when you flash and then that's it because uh, right now, you know, maybe two years ago he was flashing. This year he's in the pan, you know. it's uh, So t- to me – you you got to be more consistent, and I'm just not seeing that out of Nick Mullins. So I, you know, this the 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 deeper down this rabbit hole of losses we go, the more the more valid I think a quarterback pick becomes. Um, so unless they can salvage some games, and you know, because now now you're you're out of it. Ten games, you need ten games to get to the tournament. That means the best record you can end with is a nine and seven. I don't expect that to happen. I expect Seattle to steamroll us, and I expect us to be somewhere around eight and eight, or you know, like Johnny Dells and I said a few podcasts back, six and ten. Um, the play I saw tonight was not was more reminiscent of a six and ten effort versus a you know a nine and seven gritty, scrappy fight, you know, or even a best case scenario ten and six. So that's obviously out of the picture. To me, they played like a six and ten team. Ouch. Okay, so here's my cold shower. I'm going to go to the San Francisco offense. I'm going to go from Shanahan all the way down. You mentioned it earlier. I thought the play calling, especially on the goal line, was really predictable. And really, I mean, I, and we we like to run outside the numbers. You know, we like these plays going along the edges of the game. And we kept, we kept trying to force this up the middle thing. I don't know. They must maybe on the tape, they saw that the Buffalo was vulnerable up the middle and they thought they could exploit that either way. Buffalo was not, and they were fully prepared for it. And, um, I thought the play calling was a little flat. I thought Nick Mullins played flat. I, I'm not really sure where Debo Samuels was. I don't know if Debo Samuel was not, if they were double teaming him. I'm not sure what was going on there. The they, only guy that I I thought flashed was Brandon Ayuk. They, I, they the went to him guy. in the first half, and I, I felt like they should have been seesawing off the two of them. Brandon, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, outside of the play where, you know, he lost the football and it turned into a pick, you know, the, the, deep, the deep ball catch uh, on the left side, uh, that was amazing where he kind of turned and found the ball and was able to still make the catch. It, between two defenders, I thought that was a tremendous catch. I feel like his route running ability has he has the potential to have some elite route running ability. Uh, some of the some of the replays watching him run those routes, I'm just like, wow, he's a rookie 
and he's making some pretty nice moves. I was like, imagine when he polishes those skills. I mean, because that's one thing that's actually a knock on Debo Samuel is his, 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 he's not as efficient a route runner, but he's got tremendous speed, which is why he's so effective in those jet sweeps and where he's, when he's in motion, he's hard to stop and he has tremendous yards after the catch ability. Those are the two things that he does extremely well. So as long as he is, as long as he polishes his route, the route tree and is able to run all of those routes, he can become one of the best in the league. But Brandon Ayuk is already showing that he is a better route runner than Debo Samuel. Uh, and he's still a rookie, which is pretty damn impressive from I, from Ayuk's perspective. So I, I do like that a lot. Um, and I'm very excited about, you know, them playing on the field together more often because at least we're going to get some of that in this last home stretch of games. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the other thing, too, it's like, you know, the Niners, they were taken out of their home field, home field, you know, because they'd rather be playing in Santa Clara. We had to play in a simulated Arizona uh, stadium. It felt and looked like uh, the Niners' home game. They even had the audio to make it sound like the home game. But it just, you know, I think that threw them off. But only we can hear that. It's not like that they can hear that. That's just for us at home. Right. You know? But I mean, like, it's also like, but I mean, like, part of it is like the fact that, you know, Santa Clara County shut all their facilities down last minute and they had to scramble to make this work. You know, that's that's got to be a little bit taxing on the team as well. You know, you have to make, you know, ex extenuating you know adjustments to your practice schedule your travels excuse me your travel schedule all of that so i felt like there was just a lot of things working against this team and and has been all season long so it's it's hard to kind of feel optimistic and hopeful when everything just seems to be working against them no matter what um and there's few 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 bright points to to really kind of look forward to outside of the ones we've already mentioned so but um Unfortunately, I think this uh, this definitely knocks us out of the playoffs, even though mathematically we're still in it. Yeah, mathematically we're still in it, and I agree with you. I think it's probably a wrap. I I agree. You could you could probably stick a a fork in it. Um, that's it's a bummer, but yeah, I think I think we've said everything we're gonna have to say about this game. This kind of sucks, and I'm just want to wipe it away and I guess move on to next week. And hopefully we have a nice fun duel with Alex Smith and we beat him. Uh, you know who knows. All right, I want to talk about Paris 2024, breakdancing, being uh, inducted into the Olympics. That's me as a pro b-boy. That's uh, my boy Schools right there. You can't see his face. A little cameo from Michael Schools right there. Uh, this is just a photo shoot we did years ago. And um, as somebody who used to be a pro, you didn't make a whole lot of money in our era, but you trained five days a week. You competed a lot. We had a great run, highly competitive run, and um, it was a really good time. It was one of the happiest times of my life. And so I'm really excited to see breakdancing move into the Olympics. I'm really excited for all the kids that are dancing professionally now. I hope this opens a lot of uh, revenue streams for them that we didn't have access to in our era. And I I am so pumped to root on the, Uni root on the United States to go win this in the Olympics. Just the fact that breakdancing has gone from a little street dance in the, the New York uh, boroughs in the 70s to now, 50 years later, an Olympic event is really dope, you know? And I wanna give props to uh, my old crew, Mad Action. I wanna give props to Style Elements crew, Rocksteady crew, Rock Force crew, Renegades, um, uh, Sub Four, 
these are all a lot of crews from way back in the day. Circle of Fire, you know, uh, L.A. Breakers. You know, these are all major crews from um, from the from the West Coast and major crews from my era, the 90s, early 2000s that, uh, you know, helped push the dance along so that another generation, another generation, another generation could get it. And now here we are. And uh, it's a very special moment. And I'm, I'm very excited. And any thoughts on it, Raymond? I think it's pretty amazing. Um, it's a testament to how recognized and respected the sport is now. The same can be said of skateboarding, which had made a lot of headway with through Tony Hawk's uh, effort, along with every other pro who competed in those X Games during that era. Um, you know, skateboarding's been a worldwide sport since you and I did it. Uh, it's also in the Olympics now. That's what I mean. That's know. why I mention it. Mm -hmm. um, so just. Uh, that's just pretty exciting. You know, uh, San Francisco used to be the skate mecca uh, back in the day in the 90s when, uh, you know, the blind team, the, the, the girl team, all those teams are coming up. Rick, uh, Mike Carroll, Rick Howard, um, so many guys that came through that era to push the sport back then. Um, and so to see that finally kind of reach this new pinnacle, even though skateboarding has been mainstream for quite a while now, um, it's just another notch in the belt of, of what is, uh, what in my opinion should have happened sooner. So, I mean, the fact that it's happening is great. You know, I mean, that's, uh, I, I still am very excited to see how these sports, you know, this is going to be pretty cool. It's going to make me watch the Olympics more than that. Cause I'm not a big Olympics fan. There's certain things, certain events I like, um, but now there's certain events that I, I will love undoubtedly and watch with a keen eye um, just to see how it plays out and how they judge and score everything. Cause I know that uh, obviously the industries are going to have some great influence over that. So I'm curious how it's going to play out, but nonetheless, uh, super cool news coming out of the sports world, especially on a night when it wasn't so fun to be a sports fan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so props to break dancing, props to b-boying uh, shout outs to just anybody who, put a blood, sweat and tears into this, uh, whether you were competing in Texas or New York or San Francisco, um, just props to you guys. This is for all of us. Like, uh, we did it. Like we did it. We did it. Props to all the skateboarders. You guys did it. Like, you know, Raymond, you were a big avid skateboarder yourself. So we did it. Yep, we, we torn we, Achilles you know. this year skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. That's true. All right. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We'll be back, uh, obviously, for our preview episode on Thursday. And so concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time. Same Goldcast channel. Mad Action Crew, baby, what? This is, is the Gold Cast.